Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. We acknowledge the Noongar people, the traditional owners of the land the upcoming game is played on, and pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to the 2021 AFL Premiership season on AFL Nation. Pitches on its point, goes over the top of Power Pepper, but it sits for Rosie, who cuts the 50, doubles back, opens it up, exquisite skill, bounces it home. Bontempelli, can he get enough on the ball? Oh, oh yes, he can. It's Bontempelli. A glorious kick for goal. Minigola releases it to Cameron. He's kicking for six. Jeremy Cameron charging away. Hooker's down there. Three cats jump against him. Stringer's got the crumb. Runs outside of the boot. And he's nailed it. It couldn't be goal of the night with the opening goal of the night, could it? Breaks the tackle. Wobbles one. Where are you, buddy? There he is. <laughs> he juggles the mark at the front. Half passing board. Petraka, can he get it home? Yes, he can. Handed it to Green. Open goal. And he'll slot it with ease. Toby Green versus the world, and Green's still winning. Great strike, magnificent kick from Joe Danaher. Massive white smile spread across his face. Welcome to AFL Nation. It is a night framed almost entirely around the Demon Dream and the longest active premiership drought in our game. Melbourne hasn't been better placed in more than half a century and steadily... The faithful are giving themselves over to the idea. And given the sentiment that courses through this final series, Geelong's role is really limited to that of potential party pooper. The first preliminary final in Perth. It's an awesome prospect. Melbourne and Geelong coming up on AFL Nation. Jared Waitley alongside Anthony Hudson. Hello, Hutto. Hello, Jared. Good evening to all the Melbourne fans <laughs> and the Geelong fans, but the Melbourne fans particularly. Yes, I guess Chris got his Dr. Evil tonight, isn't he? As uh, he tries to engineer that uh, the demons, uh, bringing the demons down. I was in Perth for that fateful day. I think Geordie might have been there in 2018. Uh, and I, I always talk about it. it was the loudest noise I've ever heard. Uh, to me, it was even louder than Richmond against the, in that preliminary final against GWS. It was an extraordinary noise. It was a hot, hot day. You got off the plane. I was there with uh, the old uh, Melbourne types, your, your Dr. Turfs and uh, <laughs> Billy Guest and all that on the plane heading over with such high hopes, and it was extinguished just like that. And uh, so it was, and we know the history going back further to '87, the uh, unbelievable, which I revisited during the week. That '87 preliminary fight, how Melbourne lost that, oh, I've got no idea. But uh, I think you summed it up well when you said gradually the Melbourne supporters and certainly the ones that I know well have just had to embrace it. That sort of had to go against themselves. Well, if you don't embrace this, there's yep. no point actually barracking for That's them. That's right. So we'll see how they go tonight. So you, everyone who's walking in their 5K radius will have come across the odd house in red and blue. Yeah. Not, there's no other houses decorated no. in other colours, in it, but just every now and then there's a Melbourne house and bless them. Good luck to them. Jared Healy's first club was the Demons. He played 130 of his 211 games with the Demons. He's a Melbourne best and fairest. He never played a final in the red and the blue. Jared, welcome. <laughs> 
Jared, it is good to be here, and it's uh, amazing. I know a lot of those Melbourne supporters you talk about uh, well. I know them uh, really well. In fact, in fact, we spoke to a guy called Rowan Davis who has put a mural up on his fence. It's about a uh, thirty metre by two metre mural. It's caused traffic jams through uh, Armadale. It's uh, and I, I spoke to him last night on the radio, and he gave a really interesting insight into the journey that he had been on as a supporter. He, as a kid, was in the mascots uh, jumper, and now he's a he's a well-to-do. Um, you know, he's a a very very smart. Uh uh, property guy, but uh, he's still a supporter at yep. heart. He's still that kid in the mascot. And he just felt that given that there won't be this ability to go to the game, that uh, he was going to say, stuff it. I know my lot. I'm not going to get down and about. We can't see it. I'm going to put the biggest thing up I can ever do, ever see. And he's done it. And I think a lot of people have embraced it. And uh, it, it has been interesting just along this year. Melbourne, to me, have been the standout all year. It's the most talented group of Melbourne players I've seen for a long time, and it was last year and potentially the year before, and it's got better through organic growth and the addition of a couple. But it has been amazing just the denial that Melbourne supporters have uh, been going through. Self-defence. Self-defence. They don't want to be hurt again. And well, uh, the, I, the first thing one of my mates does at the start of the year is to back a Melbourne yeah. to not make the eight. That's, that's right. the first thing he does. <laughs> yeah. And it's, everything else is wrapped around yeah, that. That's not Mark Rothfield, is it? Because no, uh, that's exactly what he does. But it's exciting, isn't it? I yeah. mean, they are in the box seat. It's their premiership to lose to a degree. I think maybe we're underestimating Port Adelaide a little bit when we say that. But clearly there's two standouts. It's Port Adelaide and it's the Demons. The Demons are on top for mine. But, uh, gee, we've got a really great weekend coming up. Then we've got an absolute shocker. Uh, and then eventually we'll get wound up again for the grand final in two weeks' time. It's going to be an interesting two weeks to get through. For those who are a little bit sort of faint-hearted in these things, it's going to be extreme torture, I would imagine. Jordan Lewis played the last three years of his career with Melbourne, he was part of the 2018 Cinderella run into the finals that ended abruptly, as Hutto mentioned. Jordy, oh, sorry, Jordy. welcome. Uh, good evening, boys. It's, uh, it's did, you think that well... was, did you think that was nasty of Hutto to bring that up? Yeah, he's lucky he's sitting over there. And I if just he don't hadn't go run four flags, <laughs> I wouldn't have done it. But I think um, he's had his share of success. It's a balanced commentary team tonight, so <laughs> we is. can just let it flow and you don't have to be worried about anyone saying there's bias anywhere. But, I mean, if you're... A, if you're a Melbourne or a Geelong supporter right now, you've just got to fill yourself with optimism because it, it is one of those great days and um, there's there's a lot riding on it for both teams. Obviously, the, the prize at the end is a grand final, but right now the game hasn't started, so you've got, what is it, an hour and 45 minutes to, to just dream. And that's the beauty about being a supporter, I suppose, of both clubs. And you said it's... It's nerve-wracking. It's all the other emotions. You try not to read the news. You try not to watch the TV. You might check if there's some late-ins or late-outs, but it is a it is a two-hour period. And if you think of how nervous you are as a, as a supporter, think about the players because mm. they're going through the same emotions. Prelim final weekend, it, it's, it's almost better than grand final yeah. weekend. There's four clubs still in it. Generally, we go to the MCG and there's a big supporter base for both. It's the pure day, isn't it's it? It's the pure you day. You can nearly touch it. You can nearly yeah. touch the grand final. Cause you think you, I know it's not the same this year, but you start to, to dream about the week. You know, the grand final parade, you've, you've got to organise tickets. Everyone's coming to town. It's the biggest thing in, in Melbourne at the moment um, in that week when it's, when it's here. So, yeah, I, I, think, I think being over in the West 
particularly from both of their point of view and, and being in the hub environment <clears throat> could could play into their hands. You, I get you've got a lot of time to think about it, but you don't get the external recognition, the external noise at the moment that could potentially build some false hope within the playing group. So we know that they're minor premiers and they've had the week off. So this is the best chance in 57 years. I'll, I'll make the case, Jared, to you that this is Melbourne's biggest game in 57 years tonight. Yeah, you don't have to convince me, Jared. I think it's uh, – you go back to 88 when they last uh, played in the grand final. It wasn't the last time they played in uh, – was it? 2000. 2000. But even in uh, 88, they didn't really have the side. They were coming up against the super side. And uh, Hawthorne had, I reckon, about 17 All-Australians and st- State of Origin players on every line. They were a super uh, power. That was the first grand final I went to. And it was so disappointing. The, the, the Ben Johnson uh, – uh, race um, oh. at half time was yep. the, up on the big screen was the uh, Carl Lewis race at yep. the Olympics was the highlight of the game because it was all over as a contest. Yeah, there was this one moment where Gary Ayres, who was playing midfield at the time, and uh, probably half a dozen others just bulldozed the ball forward. It was almost like it was men against boys, but it's reverse this time round. I mean, Melbourne go in with this incredibly talented side. I think more talented uh, than Geelong. They've got more talent on more lines. Geelong's forward line probably is the equal, if not better, than Melbourne's. Uh, midfield, I think Melbourne's is better, significantly better. Um, but, you know, I, I think Melbourne have still got to do the job. And uh, they'll go in next week uh, really confident. I think that Simon Goodwin's done an amazing job in just keeping everybody balanced. And I think Max Gorn's done a great job. I think the decision to make Max Gorn captain was a, an inspired one, even though it would have hurt uh, Viney. And I think we'll... We might get to see the benefit of of there not being a break pre-finals. So you've got a side that's had to go through the hard way and had to, you know, play every single week. And we we think we'll see a side in in Melbourne and Port Adelaide tomorrow night who have earned the rest, who enjoyed the rest, and then... Hopefully, bring that that energy to the to the contest. And I'm a big I'm a big advocate for the the no buy pre-finals because it just. There is just no reward for finishing top four, but you get a second chance, but you don't get that break for winning the first Are game. Are you a big advocate of the bye pre-grand final? Oh, no. That's <laughs> I mean, it's got to be one of the more uninspiring decisions in Gillen's reign, surely. This just lacks any sort of logic. Yep. I mean, if there is a problem and the, the cowboy decides to shut it down, at least we've got a week off. If we have a week off and then the Cowboy shuts it down, we've got two weeks off yeah. and we lose all manner of momentum. What yeah. about the explanation that was given around getting the teams over to Perth so they can participate, so they can train in front of fans, which included moving Port Adelaide should they qualify yeah. for the Brownlow and spend the week in Perth. Their fans are in the <laughs> other states. You are moving them away from their fans so they can't be part of it. Yeah, when, a, when an excuse lacks credibility, you know that there's an ulterior motive that uh, no one wants to talk about. I'm not quite sure what that is. Some have said, suggested it's getting a lot of staff over there so they can entertain the uh, good people at Toyota or whoever it is. But surely you just follow the principles of the last two years, and that is get it done. Yep. Let's get it done before it is undone. And you only need to see what's happening in the cricket today over in, yeah, in so the England. First day's play's not happening not at happening. Old Trafford. Yeah. So it, it can it can we all know it can come from anywhere at any time at the moment. Just getting back to the to the teams Jerry, that is it it's amazing to think that Melbourne don't have a 200 game player. Yeah. Well yeah. this is the great uh, comparison. I mean we we've all talked about Geelong. I think they'll have another throw at the stumps next year. 
they may load up again with uh, whoever they can and have another crack whilst uh, Tom Hawkins is going well. But Melbourne's got four Rising Star nominees. Mm. I mean, they are, and I've said this to a couple of friends and uh, a couple of family members who are uh, very, very serious Melbourne supporters, this is not the be-all and end-all. This is the start of an era. This is a five- or six-year opportunity, and if Melbourne get their recruiting right, there's no reason why they can't be a superpower for a decade. When you look at, sorry, the test match is off. Wow. It's cancelled. Right. And India forfeit, and it becomes 2-2. I'm going to have to spend a couple of minutes. You just talk amongst <laughs> yourselves for a moment. Which is, yeah, I, that, yeah that, that'll, I think that'll be disputed. But anyway. It may be disputed, but it, it reinforces it the point, yeah, doesn't it? It, it does. just yeah. seems. And we're going to talk more about this down the track without question because there's nothing else to talk about next week except why the hell are we talking about the bye? Yeah, good luck to, to all you media performers who are on. Yeah, imagine <laughs> if you had a radio night. show every day and a every nightly TV show. <laughs> I mean, it, would it not be as bad in normal circumstances if you used the week if the, this was the week off and you had all the you had the brown lab you had all the awards and you had other stuff as well that was going on? Oh, I'm a bit I'm a big one for for just playing in a normal year. You don't what what you don't want to do as a as a player is, is to hang around and and just to mm. to have to draw it out. You want continuity. So you know, think of Melbourne's situation if they if they and Port Adelaide. They play the first final, they have a break. They play the prelim final, then they have another break. They're just, they're just no So if, if Geelong or the Bulldogs win, it's a huge advantage for them, it, isn't it? It may be, yeah. yeah because, potentially because, a huge yeah, advantage. Because yeah. they've clearly played every every round. This might be their chance just to get that, that week off, that energise and, and a little bit of a, a dip in training loads. And that, that might be the the perfect way to do it if, if that's, that's to be the case. But I think if ter- talking lists and, and age and experience you know Melbourne are the third youngest list in the competition Geelong are clearly number one mm. they're 10th they're for experience so they are in their window as we would would call it so I, I agree with Jared. if it does shape to be their best year for a long time it does shape to be an important match but if if things go wrong tonight they are still in this phase for the next three to five years and what of Geelong what's their are they? Is it so? They're being fitted up as this is it. No, I don't agree it. with the this is it theory. I, I agree. I think that this is nearly it. And I spoke about that last week or two weeks ago when you could see what was going to happen to the club when your best five players don't aren't there. And that's not that far away because most of them are thirty-two or above. And they weren't there um, two weeks ago. They're they're out in the ground, but they weren't there, and they were just horrible. So. We know what's coming for Geelong. They're probably a little bit better placed than just this savage dip because there, there are some kids that they're not playing at the present time. But they're going to be they're going to be out of contention for a fair period of time, unless a few like Radagalia, unless Radagalia can turn himself into Hawkins. I mean that that would really help. Uh, but I think they've got to throw out the stumps. Uh, you know, Dangerfield has has had a, an average to poor finals campaign. Might be reasons there with his finger. Um, but if they're to win tonight, he has to play well. If they're to win tonight, their A graders have to – they have to play the game of their season because it's uh, – you know, Melbourne are probably up in the talent department. It wouldn't be that often that Geelong are playing a more talented side. And yet Geelong were 44 points up, you know, close to three-quarter time yeah. just four weeks ago. It was, it, I went back and watched that game and, and there was a dominant period for, for 10 minutes, but – but the rest of the first half was 
I mean, if you didn't look at the scoreboard, you would yeah. think it was quite even. Yet they just sort of goal here, you know, Hawkins goal, uh, Cameron lucky goal. So it just was that that built that lead that just built and built. And then they had that that yeah. ten minute patch where they just you know everything worked and and Melbourne were completely off. And and then the second half came around. So I think if you're Geelong, you're reviewing more what happened in the second half, how it went so wrong especially around the ball and, and everything else. And and they fell back into kicking to a lever and the, the, that Melbourne defensive structure. So you, you look at that two ways. Either they, they haven't got a way past or they've done that and they'll try not to try to avoid so that. So that, that, that for me is the fascination with how the game unfolds tonight. Because I think in that game, watching Geelong, when they sped the ball movement up, it actually caught Melbourne out because they couldn't get set. Yet we know how Geelong want to play. They want to build the ball up. You just think if that is the case... May and Lever will set themselves up um, down the line. It's so important that they don't have an Allier-Allier impact like they did against Port Adelaide. Well, the difference is radical there, isn't it? I mean, that is, that's the difference from that yep. match and it's the difference from the game in round 23 as And well. it was also Jeremy Cameron last week played bit, a bit further up the yep. ground so he can be that compete in the air and turn around and deliver it inside forward 50. Ultimately, I reckon the game is a ground ball game and it's a running game. And it's also a kicking game. And Geelong are focusing on the kicking. I don't think they've got the running game. Yet Melbourne have got the kicking game. They've got the marking game. They've got the running power. And Richmond's domination was based on a lot of things. But ultimately, I reckon Richmond's greatest strength was they had about 13 elite runners in their side. And Melbourne, look at their running power. I don't see any club competing with Melbourne's running power. So if they get other things right and they run, and they run like their lives depend on it, uh, it's going to be very – and I'm talking defensive running as well as attacking running. It's, it's I think, the foundation of their great uh, – of a great victory uh, this year. And, and sorry, Jared, I think that the other thing that I look at in, in both defences, which enables you to move the ball, is, is Melbourne's got a good balance between left and right – Footed players, whereas for me, Geelong are there are a lot. There's a lot of right-footed players. I mean, Isaac Smith probably the one that comes back and allows them to open open up the other side of the ground. But you see continuously these players turn onto their dominant foot, which keeps them on that skinny side. Doesn't allow them to open up the other side of the ground, which makes it hard to move the ball, especially off off turnover. So if Isaac Smith's not back there assisting with ball movement, I find them. They just really try and control that that right-hand side. That's how they try and move the ball. But, you know, Isaac Smith will have to have a big game. Were you surprised that Geelong uh, didn't bring in a midfielder for a midfielder? So Zach Tilly, who was the – we talked to, to Matthew Knights last week about how you're choosing your sub. They mm. went with uh, with Guthrie. He came on the ground. So uh, Parfit gets injured. The speculation is that it would be Higgins or Narkel or Simpson or a midfielder. Duncan's role would change. But instead they've they've gone with another defender. And I think that uh, points to the height that Melbourne have got in their forward line, but they've also got some pretty handy ground ball players. Pickett's a good player. Spargo's a good player. Bullen can get the ball on the deck. Harms goes forward, kicks goal. So this will be, I mean, Chris Scott has a reason. Mm. Clearly they're worried about how tall Melbourne can be up in that forward line. They're trying to cover that, which probably means it's how s- they want to use somebody Zach- is going into the middle of the ground. It might be Tui. Yeah, it's how they want to use Zach Tui, I think. Doesn't yeah. I mean, he, to me, last week he looked, Really important for them yeah. in the in the back half. Then he was forced to go onto the wing, but I think he'll be on the wing tonight. Yeah, well, I think he needs to play back because that that was Melbourne look uh, Geelong looked so good when he was 
at half back. Mm. He, he's a great user of the ball. He's got run and carry. It was only when Parfit went down, then they had to start to rearrange their midfield group. They lost that drive out of defence. They lost that that nature to be aggressive and, and set up the play, and they just look like a totally different. So I think he needs to play back. He's Maybe a, he'll play off the wing. And back. and back. I mean, yeah. talking to people in and around Geelong, they, they they almost don't have positions. They have, you're a back half player, you're a front half player. Yeah. And, and Isaac Smith is a wingman, but he's a back half player. And I think Tui is probably going to be a wingman and just play in the back half. He may even kick the ball out half a dozen times, but I reckon it bounces, he'll probably come off the wing. Yeah. And, and I think that's... That's the challenge if he's if his endurance base is up to it because he might match up on Langdon. So, yeah. you know, well, this is the run. I mean, you talk Langdon, Gorn's running capacity yeah. is immense. Petrarca, Oliver, Viney. I think Harms. The improvement in Harms over three or four years is extraordinary because he goes forward. He can tag. Wouldn't be surprised uh, if he nailed somebody in that middle. Brayshaw can run, and he's found a little bit of form, and he needed to yeah. over the last uh, couple of weeks. And, uh, I mean, you've got Spargo and Pickett. They are such a running machine. It's, uh, it's frightening if you're a, cat or you're a member of the Cats. What of the intangibles? So historic burdens are not easily shed. As Geelong fans will tell you, 2007, the preliminary final night was the night they almost froze. Yeah. They did so. There was um, – they were oh, almost incapacitated night. by yeah. it. It was a horrible night. <laughs> it was only Ottens and Ablett. Tom Harley dropped a mark in the opening 50 seconds and instead of half back. Milburn and yeah. – it might have been Harley were coming out of ball. They both stopped and yeah. it landed in between yeah. them. <laughs> like it was, it was almost spooky and it owed to the past as much as it did the present that night. I, I don't think there is. I think if you, if you look at the, the two sides from, from 18 and now, there's 11 different players. Um, and a lot of the players that was that were playing back then were just young. This was their first experience. This is yes, it wasn't a great experience, but um, I mean, there was no Lever does his knee halfway through the year. May's not there, so that that already is a is a much better improvement. I mean, Petrarca's game has gone to another, another level. Oliver was you know solid enough back then, but clearly gone to another level. Max Gorn become captain, so there's so much that has changed. I think I think you could maybe make the point if it was West Coast prelim final in Perth, then those memories might come back. But I think different side, um, a lot has changed personnel and experience-wise. I, d- I don't think there'd be any any lingering of those memories. I just don't. Yeah, I think they're, I think they're figments of supporters' imagination. They may just have had a bad night. And yet, because of what the history says, we all gravitate to the – one plus one equals two. It's the pressure of what happened uh, a decade ago, well, through the last 10 years, etc. But, I mean, I know there's this narrative about, uh, you know, Melbourne this and Melbourne that over 30 years. These blokes weren't born when no. a lot of that uh, turmoil was going on. These kids don't, you know, they're there to make their own history. These guys are alpha males, most of them. <laughs> they're not worried about what happened in the 70s yep. and the 80s and the 90s. So you, you don't think it lives in the walls of a footy club? I think it lives... No, I don't. That's one thing I absolutely yep. deny. I don't think it lives in the walls of footy club. It may live in the people within the footy club, and that's why they're horrible, and that's why you've got to ship people out and bring winners in. But uh, I don't think it's a DNA scenario, <laughs> as a lot of people tend to uh, suggest. Sitting in the cupboard there somewhere. <laughs> 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 uh, so that's Melbourne and Geelong. That sets up before us tonight. There was just a hint around Henderson yeah. who had – a fitness test. If he's had a fitness test on his hamstring yesterday, he shouldn't be playing. 
regardless whether he got through it or not. Is not it on what we saw the, two weeks ago. The world-famous Chris Scott late moves. Henderson out. Therefore, that explains why Guthrie's in well, and, and Narkel comes in. Well, you think they were going to do funny back is that they wouldn't have named Guthrie, yeah. though, wouldn't you? So, I don't know. Just on Geelong, I mean, it's, it goes back to this, the issue with Geelong. That, like, Chris Scott won a flag, and I think it was his first year, didn't he? And he's been such a successful coach without having quite nailed it. Halftime last year was so close. And yet he was robbed by one of the greatest players the game has ever seen. And yet I think people are already writing his epitaph that didn't get the job done. Well, my God, he has got the job done better than most for an extended period of time. And I think sometimes he's got them to the position of a potential flag with a group that probably shouldn't get the flag. They're not quite strong enough to get the flag. So sometimes history is really unkind. I remember Tom Hafey got Collingwood to was it five grand finals when you include the draw and didn't win one. But if you have a look at the side, the side was a really good side, but it, it wasn't a champion side. And yet sometimes, you know, sometimes the group can outperform and get to nearly there and then they get run over by a great team. I think that probably the, the criticism has also come for Scotties because it, it hasn't been a – um, an adaption to to the way the modern game is played. We see a lot of the sides like these new and up-and-coming sides like Sydney and Essendon and, and Melbourne have become a little bit more aggressive in terms of the way they move the ball. They just haven't changed, but they've put themselves in another prelim final. Maybe they haven't got the running power to do mm. the change. Our pre-game show is for Beaumont Tiles Trade Club. Jared Healy and Jordan Lewis will turn our attention to the Port Adelaide Bulldogs prelim as well. The Bulldogs are enduring a lot at the moment, and we'll talk Carlton's latest sacking as well. Experience the convenience of buying your new Hyundai online with Hyundai's Click to Buy. It's easy to compare models, configure your Hyundai, and make a deposit online through the secure Click to Buy process. Search Hyundai Click to Buy for details. You're listening to AFL Nation, the first preliminary final tonight. It'll be Melbourne and Geelong for a place in the Western Grand Final. You're listening to AFL Nation for the Beaumont Tiles Trade Club. Preliminary final weekend arrives. The first tonight in the West, Melbourne and Geelong. The second tomorrow night in Adelaide when Port Adelaide and the Western Bulldogs meet. So on AFL Nation, you're with Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Jared Healy and Jordan Lewis for the call tonight. Our experts for car sales. Sell your car the hassle freeway with Car Sales Instant Offer. We've set up tonight and we'll delve deeper. We're going to touch base with both camps. Sean Griggs is going to join us from the coaching staff at the Cats. He'll be out there as the runner. And Alan Richardson, who has the GM of footy performances, been a steady and guiding hand since arriving at the club. Let's talk a little bit tomorrow night. Uh, Luke Beveridge, so not much is going the Bulldogs' way at the moment. An untimely injury to Alex Keith that looks like Marcus Pontepelli's got through and ready to play. They're going to have a ping with Steph Martin, who hasn't played a full game since April 30, and they're trying to deal with the absurdists in South Australia as uh, health authorities have denied them the right to train despite repeatedly testing negative to COVID in every state they've been to on this epic voyage. Oh, I... We just deal with it comically, you know. It's um, the the pandemic's serious. We know that, um, but this one's unreasonable, 
So all you can do is laugh at it. It's a bit like the uh, the quarantine hotel last week, the way our people were treated. Um, you just you just got to let that wry grin uh, emerge on your face and and uh, and just have a little bit of a chuckle and move on. And our players, will, you know, they'll do that. Um, we 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 haven't even really talked about it. We've got a meeting, um, you know, in about an hour and a quarter where. We'll brief and we'll, we'll go through our planning with our players and um, and we'll have a bit of a laugh about it then. And it's really the only way you can do it and um, and focus on what's important. So that's uh, Luke Beveridge. The clubs have been biting their tongues for oh, weeks. On done a great job too. Yeah, on what they've, some of them have been subjected to in Mate. hotels and the like. Fair to say Nicola is not footy's favourite person. She's made some of the most bizarre decisions uh, across the, the journey. Um, clearly has no idea about football, um, has no interest in football. Um, but ultimately, what do you do if you're running the AFL? You've got to get on with government, otherwise the uh, the show stops. Some of what was going on in Queensland was idiotic, and I don't know whether it will ever fully come out mm. or not, but uh, just in, indefensible. Like You couldn't put a logical argument around no. measuring... So, so this is a group that's a COVID risk, is it? And all that's been put in place. But a lot of these things aren't about science. I mean, a lot of these things are about compliance and control and, and basically showing who the big dog is. And, um, you know, people have dined out on it. Some people have. And the AFL, in their wisdom, have just accepted it, bitten their tongue. Clubs have bitten their tongue. And uh, we're going to get a season away, which is uh, quite phenomenal given the Given the hurdles that have been in front of everybody this year, it's been—it's probably been more impressive than last year. What of their on-field scenario, Jordan? Oh. <laughs> With the so Keith is a wretched out for them. Yep. Steph Martin is a surprising in, given the way that it, it had been framed by Luke Beveridge across a few weeks now. Uh, I think they're all heart. This football club. Um, it's been a tremendous effort to to make a prelim final. The, ga- the game is not in good order. If you look at statistically. They're so far off their best, of which they were able to con- to sort of be at a consistently high level throughout the season. The last probably month of football hasn't hasn't been great yet. They've managed to win important games and close games off the back of I think you know there's some some star performances and we take Smith last week, Liberatore probably the week before. But uh, but other than that, their captain's hurt. He's clearly not playing the best um, his best football because of that. But it's just heart, and and that's what that's what you have to admire about this footy club. So, even coming up against Port Adelaide uh, tomorrow night, Port Adelaide will clearly go in as favourites. But you just never write them off because they they've answered every question. They've been all over Australia. They've been dealt probably the roughest hand of of the four sides that are actually in the finals right now. Yet they they front up, and you could see there was a little bit of frustration in in Luke Beveridge, and and rightly so. Some of the stuff you know, not to be able to train on the oval once they've had all the tests and everything's been done and they haven't been to a hot spot. just does not make um, sense. But it's a credit to them and, and I've got so much respect for, for Luke Beveridge and that football club. Yeah, I think that's uh, well said. You can't uh, say much more than that. He's uh, done an amazing job. They looked like they were going out uh, on the straight sets uh, scenario and yet they found a way to win. It was a, it was a really impressive win. Got some injuries. Redefined Dunkley's role. I think uh, his... Ability to tag, we'll probably see him go to Ollie Wines this week. Did a pretty good job on Lockie Neal last week. Uh, did a great job on Parrish 
after half time, which it's, it almost was the opening up of his form again. And so that was an inspired move. They had to do something. How do we read the Trelaw? What's your version of Trelaw? Uh, well, if you look at Trelaw's form over a few weeks, it's, it's not too bad. Mm. If you look at your form over Trelaw last week, well, he had a shocker. And, you know, it's been well documented and potentially overly documented given that everyone has a shocker. But he just looked like his energy wasn't there as if there was something else at play. It wasn't a player that just the ball wasn't bouncing for him. He wasn't there for the chase. He didn't look like his head was in the game. So, I mean, he'll take that on as a personal challenge, I'm sure, Adam. But so too will the coach to uh, find a way for him to... Yep. propel himself back into some uh, competitive form. That's what happens when we go down to eight teams, when we go down to six teams, yep. when we go down to four teams. Every Everything gets analysed. And, um, yeah, I felt for him a little bit because he's been a, a very handy player for them out, out from, from injury for, for a period of time. But I, I, I mean, think he's he being played. Play. He's being played out of position, but that's kind of – that's just what you – it's yeah. the whole thing about the – you can't have too many midfielders. And I, I don't think he's played out of position. I mean, his best spot's probably on the inside. But, but he's playing. If he can't play on the wing. But he's playing more as a forward at last week. Half but, forward, But yeah. as a high half forward. I mean, that means he should be motoring. I mean, he's got the running capacity to play that role. True, but he's played his best footy. Yeah, in, I agree with that. But that's no excuse yeah, to be no, playing without no, no, energy. I, I know. But so that, that's mm. something they have, to, they have to make a decision on. What are they hoping to get out of Steph Martin? First up since round 12. Hasn't and, and played a full game since April 30. Do you reckon he's been playing funny buggers up till now or not? No, I reckon he changed his mind between Wednesday and Thursday. Right. I don't think he was playing him. And I reckon once Keith was out, yep. and we'll only ever know in hindsight, I reckon they've gone all, all bugger it. Let, let's have a go at this and see how much we get. Yeah, it's very hard to know. I mean, Steph Martin has always been an athlete as a footballer and – He's clearly got a really nagging groin. It may be a hernia. No one ever has hernias anymore, but the guys that have uh, got uh, unsolvable groin issues, probably they have got hernias and uh, they don't get fixed as much as uh, they could. Um, if he was 100%, he would have played last week. So I'm not sure if he's 80%, but he's there, I think, just to to give a contest. He's not there to win. He's just there to give a contest and make sure that the ball isn't totally going one way, as it was with uh, the big O last week. I mean, he just obliterated his, his opponent. It, was just, it just showed that you need to have at least a big body there that you don't get obliterated. Yeah, I, I just think it allows them to keep their forward structure, which is probably the, the most important thing. I know Young has, has come in and, and done a good job, but it allows English to stay forward without Bruce being down there. So he just needs to come in and compete. He won't be the difference. Uh, he will certainly want to contribute, but it allows their forward structure to, to remain. What if he um, goes hard, rucks hard for 50, 60 minutes and then blows up and gets injured and comes off? I wonder if that's in the planning. Mm. I, I, I legit wonder yep. whether that's it. Go out for as long as you possibly can and we'll sub you out when the time comes. Well, let's hope he gets through. I mean, ultimately, he hasn't played for a long period of time, so you're at risk of doing other soft tissue. I and mean, they're not going to risk him if there's a large chance of him doing a soft tissue. But, I mean, it's a calculated punt. I mean, I think that's fair if you haven't played uh, for – how long is it? It's months. So it's round 12, yeah. and he was subbed out at half time. So it's April 30 since he mm. played a full game, which is uh, rather amazing. And and the Keith absence – so the last time Keith wasn't there, Peter Wright kicked seven. Right. Which was sort of an act of God, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I, so... I think we have underrated uh, Alex Keith's performance in the back half of the season. They're, the back half was always going to be there – 
Achilles heel, according to every analyst in the land. And yet in the last two months, it's been one of their great strengths. I mean, we mentioned this last week, and I think Ruffy or someone said it on, on your show during the week, Jared, um, might have been Lee Montagna, but... He, he, we actually he he left Adelaide as an intercepting defender, and he's gone to the Bulldogs and become a big yeah. to play on the Gorillas. So there's no bigger gorilla than uh, than Charlie Dixon. So it's a big out, huge. And, and Dan Hurd last week, and you know the the, the job on right the week before. So he's he's a huge out. Charlie's job won't be to bring it to ground tomorrow night. It <laughs> oh, <laughs> might yes, be actually to take some marks. No, AFL Nation is giving, Make you, a the contest, Jared. Get is the giving you the chance to nominate someone to win two 2022 AFL Silver Club memberships thanks to Coles Insurance. Visit iCanWin.com.au. We're going to touch base with both teams tonight, Geelong and Melbourne next, and we'll discuss the latest in the Carlton scenario as we go along as well. A sports news update for Rolled. Family-made Vietnamese served fast and fresh. G'day, it's Sam Fantasia with the latest in sports. Brisbane coach Chris Fagans backed in Lockie Neal, saying he would have also considered a move back to WA if he was in the Brownlow medalist shoes. The comments come after it was revealed that 28-year-old and his pregnant wife were considering heading back to Perth for family reasons. Western Bulldogs coach Luke Beveridge has played down concerns over Marcus Bontempelli's knee. The 25-year-old landed awkwardly in the win over the Lions last week, putting his place in the side tomorrow in doubt. However, Beveridge says the club's not taking any risks around their skipper's long-term future by playing him against Port Adelaide. Crows defender Jake Kelly's informed the club he'll be heading back to Victoria as he exercises his unrestricted free agent rights. Earlier reports suggest the 26-year-old is heading to the Bombers with the free agency window opening on October the 1st. That's sport and it's all thanks to Rold. Family made of Vietnamese served fast and fresh. You're listening to AFL Nation for the Beaumont Tiles Trade Club. You're listening to AFL Nation for the Beaumont Tiles Trade Club. First preliminary final night, Melbourne and Geelong. AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Win tiling products for a year. Icanwin.com.au. Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Jared Healy and Jordan Lewis. A shout out for Flight Centre. Win $30,000 worth of holidays now. Then travel later with Flight Centre. That's win now, travel later with Flight Centre. Let's head over to the West. We're in the Geelong camp here with Sean Grigg on the coaching staff here with the runner tonight. Sean, great to have you on AFL Nation. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Do they stir a few memories, preliminary finals? It does. I was actually reflecting on the bus ride. I've been pretty fortunate to be involved in prelims the last five years in a row, so um, I'm certainly not taking it for granted. Great to be here. It's got a sense of magnitude to it on that bus ride. Yeah, it's really exciting. I mean, prelims, they're generally one in the contest. You know, they're going to be fiercely contested in the middle of the ground. And, you know, we'll back in our big midfield beast of, you know, Guthrie, Selwood and Danger. And with Melbourne, uh, what a good contest it'll be with Petrarca, Oliver and Viney. It's going to be great. Gregor, what does preparation look look like for a runner prelim final night? <laughs> <laughs> well, the coaches are actually getting stuck into me today because one coach walked past the physio room and I was getting the calf rub. So, <laughs> uh, it's got to cost cost me a few coffees throughout the week. Well, I, I think, you know, recently retired player, you get a good feeling on, you can look around the group and you can sense how how they're feeling. What what have you taken over the last couple of days in, in this side? Are they, is there, you know, a confidence within the group? Yeah, there is. You know, we've shown all year, when we play our way, we're really hard to beat. But like all good teams, um, it, it's going to happen. Melbourne are going to get the game on their terms of periods as well. So, 
Um, what we're looking to do is stop that momentum and capitalise when we've got it. So the contest, like I mentioned before, is, is going to be fiercely contested, and I think that's where the game's going to be won or lost. Throughout the game, who, who do you run to the most? Who's the message coming down from the box to get out and, and try and realign the most? Oh, generally the leaders, you know, Mark Litzarv's in the back line, Mitch Duncan around the ground, Joel and, and Paddy as well. So it's generally the leaders who the, the messages go to. Can you tell us, Sean, the thinking behind Zach Guthrie coming in for a midfielder? Yeah, well, he played, when he came on from Brandon Parfit last week, he played back and to sort of release Zach Tui up to the midfield a bit. So yep. we feel like we've got that flexibility in our team now. Um, if we need to, Zach can play back at times, whether you know, uh, Zach Tui, so he can go back and Zach Guthrie can play wing and Mark Blitzhardt can come up. So it's just more of a flexibility thing for our side. And uh, radically uh, forward, is it, does it dictate how you bring the ball into the forward line, the fact that you have got this long bomb target when you haven't got the long bomb target? or two targets, if you like, um, you're probably more advised looking for the blokes up on the lead. But uh, now that you've got two there, does that dictate that you're going to kick the ball a little bit longer and potentially uh, to Hawkins and Radigalia? Yeah, Jared, I think it just gives us the capability when we're under fierce pressure, which finals are, that we can be confident that we can kick long. Um, sometimes you mightn't be able to see the options downfield because of the fierce midfield pressure and so we're happy to, you know, to kick it long to a contest there. And last week, although um, Big Sav didn't get much of the ball, he, you know, created a contest and um, spilt the ball to ground, which gave, you know, a, a guys who are great on the ground like Jeremy Cameron and Brian Myers and Brad Close a chance. So yeah. that's all we're really after is the big contest down there. So we go back to the Port Adelaide game where it was really horrible for a period of time, and and all you did was long bomb. So I mean, even if you put Radigalia down there, that doesn't fix some of the poor kicking. So how did the, how did the coach address some of the really bad decision-making that was, uh, I guess, that preempted those kicks? Yeah, it's just giving the guys confidence that we've got all options available to us. Yep. If, if the pressure if the pressure's not on um, to the middle of the ground, then yeah, sure, we'll, we'll use the ball and, and look to go forward um, in that way. But if the pressure is on, then the guys have got confidence that you know we can kick it long to a contest and get in behind it and defend that. But but, yeah, definitely if, if we can look to, you know, use our shorts and build up the ball, then, yeah, that's definitely an option for us. Does Jeremy Cameron now play much more as a high half forward now that Radigalia is there? I think he can. I think it gives him the flexibility to read it. And if he, if he wants to get up the ground and, you know, get to those long down the line kicks, he can. And, or he can charge back to goal. He doesn't have to be really anchored yep. uh, to the forward 50. It gives us a bit of flexibility with him and Rowan as well because, We've seen a lot of um, Jeremy's goals this year. A lot of them are, are actually sort of from the ground or, or um, you know, a crush of the pack, and he, he's a pretty good ground-level player. How, how do you negate, I suppose, one, the influence of, of Gorn, but also Petrarca and Oliver in there? I think you mentioned you might go head-to-head. Have you got a plan for, a plan for Gorn? Oh, I mean, he's going to have times during the game where he's going to get his hands to the ball. That's what great players do, so we're looking to negate him and, you know, Reese and Asava, um, you know, will, will go at him. And, and Reese rucked really well for the majority of the time last time against Max. But we understand he's going to get his hands on it. He's a great ruckman, probably the best in the league. So our midfielders have got to really help out as well. So, you know, we're, we're, not, we're not after total dominance from Reese. We're after a big contest and, and hopefully Harvard. And just the last one from us. Paddy's probably been a little bit down on form. We don't know how much that, that hand is, hurt, um, is hurting him throughout the, the finals campaign. But expect him to bounce back. 
Yeah, we do. I mean, like I've mentioned a couple of times, it's about the contest and when, when Pat Dangerfield's at his best, he's competition, you know, getting after the ball, loose ball gets as well. So we're looking forward to him to hunt the ball and, and also hunting the Melbourne players when they've got the ball. So we're looking for a big contested game from him for sure, Jordy. So last time you played, round 23, Selwood went to Oliver, I think, for 43 minutes and his numbers were better than Oliver's numbers. Does he go to him for an extended period of time this week? Uh, he's got the option too, for sure. Um, yeah, with the midfield rotations, it's quite hard to get the, the match up the whole time. So, you know, Joel will command that midfield in there today with Cam Guthrie and, and Danger. And, you know, we've seen Max Holmes come along with his footwork and pace, which adds another dimension to us as well. So hopefully we can do the job in the contest and, and those guys can get off and, and hurt the Melbourne mid too. Could Max Holmes be a surprise move onto Oliver, given he's got the speed? He does, and he's pretty big too, um, Holmesy. So at times he'll get his go on him for sure. Um, and we're, we're confident that if he matches up on Clayton, um, you know, he'll be able to do the job and help us out and um, create a contest and then, yeah, use his running power and speed and get off and help us help us attack or defend. Sean, good to catch up. Good luck for the night. No worries. Thank you. Sean Grigg, part of the uh, coaching staff at Geelong. He'll be the runner tonight. I think that's what what good sides do. They go in and, and I like it. You, you back yourself in so they, they, they'll back their midfield in and and then you've got things to go to. So if your midfield don't get the job done or, or your defence or whatever it may be, then you've got things to go to. I, I just don't like when you see sides start a game and they already bring up a number from the half forward line which gives the opposition a spare. Just just see how the game unfolds for the first five to ten to the first quarter and then if you what need about to a specific tag though like if it's a midfield tag is that different are you better that, is, that, is a little bit, that is a little bit different yeah yeah no no doubt but in terms because of, often we hear oh no we've got someone if someone's a bit hot we'll come well there down. might be might have been a little bit in that cooler in that question that that jared asked about Holmes, and and he might be that that player that can physically match an oliver but then but why wait? work off as someone who was well, tagged got a some, lot i you loved getting away to a good start. Yeah, I think they've got supreme confidence in their own midfield. And that's that's where their yeah. A, a graders sit. So yeah. I think the days of starting with a tagger are becoming less, clearly. Um, but if you've got a if you've got a tagger that can get their own ball, they're they're the ones that you would send, you know, to a, an opposition midfielder straight away. I just don't think there's enough of them in the competition. You can get involved on AFL Nation across the weekend on the open line thanks to Southern Phone. Simplify your life with Southern Phone mobile plans. Switch to Southern Phone. Part of the beauty of this weekend is we had the rehearsals in round 23. They were both thrillers. The Friday night game saw Port Adelaide prevail over the Western Bulldogs and we know the ramifications of that. And Melbourne claimed the minor premiership down at GMHBA in front of nobody. It'll be a full house in Perth tonight. There are so many conclusions that have been drawn from the way that it transpired. And as we set the scene for what's about to unfold in this preliminary final on AFL Nation, we take you back to those closing stages. So Guthrie is going to be forced up the line. It's out. kicked out of bounds it on the So Melbourne have got one and it's 50. It's oh 50 against close goodness. for punching the ball. Once it was already over the line, it's gone into the crowd. So Lever has got ball in hand. Nick Del Sando is out of his seat. So Lever, with 25 seconds remaining, to put it to the top of the square. He keeps it low. Goal! And he's got it! Big Max has got it! He's going to kick after the siren. 
Set play. Gone on a dramatic Saturday. Can you believe it? Come on, Big Max. Max gone. And after the siren kick to win the game for Melbourne and to finish top of the table. It's a slow build-up. Now the little skip. Max to win, and he's done it! Melbourne have come off the canvas! It's one of the great comebacks! 32 points down at three-quarter time, and Melbourne have won it after the siren. You're listening to AFL Nation for the Beaumont Tiles Trade Club. First preliminary final night in Perth. It's a sellout for Melbourne and Geelong. We're 50 minutes away from the opening bounce on AFL Nation. Win one year's supply of one classic lager, the beer you can count on. Visit iCanWin.com.au. We are shortly going to touch base with the Melbourne camp with the GM of football performance, Alan Richardson, as uh, as the D's look to progress to the grand final for the first time in 21 years. Uh, I know we probably do this more in grand final week, but just some of the individuals, you know, you look at their stories, particularly with Melbourne, with them trying to make it. Is there is there a, a teammate that you played with there you know, that you particularly you know, would love to get that ultimate glory, Geordie, for example? Yeah, and he's he hasn't been selected. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll come yeah, back to this yep. and uh, pick that conversation up because Alan Richardson is with us now from Optus Stadium. Richo, welcome. Jared, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Yeah, yeah, very good. Very excited. Um, boys are ready to go. Both teams are out in the ground now, just uh, doing their bit, getting ready for the game. No, it's uh, it's bloody exciting. Have you plotted your way through the the fortnight to to have everything exactly as you wanted it by the time you arrived on the bus tonight? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had a couple of hiccups with um oh with with Smithy. Smithy obviously was a was a part of the the, the plan in terms of playing the night, but he he did his hamstring at uh, at training, and so Hibo comes in, which is you know we're blessed to have someone like Hibo able to come in and play, given his experience and, and given the influence that, you know, he's had in our back six all year. So um, so that's great. But, no, everything's been good. The uh, You know, last week was was backed off a bit for obvious reasons. Once we found out who we were playing, we could, you know, plan our training around us and to some extent around the Cats. So that's um, that's been really positive. Richard, as you, as you look around, I, I imagine you're, you're out on the ground. Is there much blue and red? Uh, yeah, there is Louis. Um, in fact, the big um, Go Doomans signs are going around the outside, um, you know, of the of the tiers, if you like. And there is a fair bit of blue and red. Yeah, you know, I imagine I'm probably just looking for the blue and red, to be honest, and dismissing some of the the blue and the white. But um, oh, I reckon there'll be at least fifty fifty. We hope there's a bit more for us, but um, uh, it's just great for our players, for both clubs, to be able to play in front of crowds. We, haven't really done it uh, in front of our own crowds anyway for a while. So, um, yeah, that's going to be brilliant. A player that we've seen come into the side, I was fortunate enough to um, see him when he arrived at the club, in, in Jack Bowie. How, how have you seen his progression? He just looked unfazed at the level. And, um, you know, finally in his first year coming up against the Geelong football side in a prelim final. Yeah, no, he's been, um, he's been a bit of a surprise. I mean, his VFL form was terrific. But um, 
uh, we, you know, we all acknowledge there's a real jump from that level of footy to the next. And he's in a part of the ground, Louis, where you know, most all these, these finals teams are massively focused on once you get it in there, lock it in there, and that means putting defenders, particularly those with the footy, under enormous pressure so you can get it back as quickly as possible. But Bowser's um, his cleanliness, his ability to be one touch and, and execute under under pressure is probably going to stand out feature. He's really composed with the ball. We probably haven't seen as much of that, to be frank, at, at the minute. You know, his, his, his creativity with the footy, it's more been how clean and how quickly he gets the ball off to Asylum, etc. Um, his defence has been strong, um, you know, and it's been important given Hunty has gone out of the turn because of injury. So, no, he's been a, he's been a, been a real bonus for us in the short term and he's going to be a ripper for us long term. So going from the, the young to the old, how... How hard has it been to, to I suppose, keep Nathan Jones out of the side? No doubt you would have gone through multiple conversations and scenarios and do we fit him in, do we not fit him in? How hard's that been? Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. It's, um, there's probably no one more, more decorated in terms of service to our footy club through really challenging, challenging times. So, um, you know, there's a real emo- emotional want to, to do what you can to to reward someone like that, but um, you know we've picked the term Louis based on what we think is best to win the game of footy, and um, and synergy and connection is really important. Our, our defence, in particular, relies on 18 blokes that are really strongly connected and that have played a bit of footy together. And if we if we do need to change a bit, like what we've said with Hunty and Bowser, then we change like for like, as opposed to trying to conjure something up, um, even if even if it is that someone might have been performing better in a different role at VFL level. We haven't gone that way. We've gone with like for like to make sure we maintain that that connection so that our system works. And um, and that's been tough for Jonesy, but he's been brilliant with his form at VFL level and he's probably been even more impressive with the way that he's conducted himself. I mean, we, I mean, you know him well. We'd expect nothing less. He's a, just a genuinely outstanding fella. He loves the demons. He's proud of where his group's at. He's had an enormous influence on on uh, you know the journey to date, and he's he's keen to do whatever he can for our players. There was a question mark, Richo, during the week uh, over Alex Neil Bullen. Um, clearly, he's got his spot in the side, and he, he's right. Who would have come in if he had have missed out? If you're doing like for like, oh no, Jonesy would have been in that. He would have definitely been in that conversation, Jared. Yeah, um, Jonesy has predominantly played midfield at VFL level, and. Um, even that system has been compromised the last months because mm. there's been no VFL competition. They've been, for example, our last game was a 14 v 14 against the Cats down there. Jonesy had 43, kicked a couple, um, mainly playing midfield, but certainly playing forward. And when he's played senior footy for us um, this year, he's doing that. He's doing that. There is a role in our team that's a bit of everything. It's a bit of it's a bit of half forward. It's a bit of wing. And it's a bit of mid- midfield, inside mid, and and um, and he does that. He does that pretty well for us. So he definitely would have, he definitely would have been in that, um, you know, strongly in that conversation. Can I ask you about your for your defence? They've got Hawkins, Radagalia, and Cameron. Have you have you have you given specific players specific matchups, or is May going to take the deepest, which you expect's going to be Hawkins? Radagalia and Petty, Cameron and Rivers, or uh, have you got uh, Lever coming over onto Cameron? Oh, no, you're right, Jared. It's much more about where they are yep. um, and, and and how that evolves and, and how high players play. We 
Yeah, we certainly like Maisie because of his speed and his ability to read the play. It doesn't influence his ability to mark the footy even if he's deep. So we, you know, we're okay with that. We, we're okay with him being high too. To be honest, he's quite versatile. But mm. now it's a little bit about where they play. We think we've got pretty good matchups. Uh, we've got pretty good matchups there. We think that Hibo can do a job on a tall. He can do a job on a you know on a player that leads it. He can do a pretty good job on the, on someone at the fall of the ball. So. Um, no, we've got pretty good coverage there. And do you expect Clayton Oliver to be hard-tagged or even soft-tagged around stoppages? Um, well, Scotty's done a... Well, the Cats have done a bit of both, haven't they? Certainly when O'Connor was in the team, yep. it was probably more in the in the forward half of the year. It was He certainly was experimenting with the dead-set lockdown. There's been periods where it's been a bit more of a cooler, where if someone is having an influence on the game and that is also having an impact on the scoreboard. He's done a bit there too. So, um, I mean, they've got some genuine superstars in that part of the ground that we'll have to be mindful of and have the same sort of approach too, to be honest. Richo, good luck for tonight. Thanks for your time. Good on you, Jared. Thanks, guys. Alan Richardson, the General Manager of Football Performance at Melbourne. So we'll come back and do our full preview shortly when the, uh, the two teams run out on the ground. So let, let's just stray a little. What, what did you think, Jared, when you heard that Kane Little had been given his marching orders at Carlton today? Well, it was question only a question of time, I would have thought, Jared. We sat here a couple of weeks ago and... Uh, after the review came out, it looked as if um, his, pa- his uh, papers had been stamped. And then when the story about uh, Brian Cook came out, it was really only a question of uh, does he resign or does uh, do they move on him? I'm not actually sure what happened. So but... it, it seems that he, for his own dignity, yeah. went to um, the president and said, well, which is it? Am I in or out? Yeah. Uh, and... You're out. Yeah, well, I, I think that's what he needed to do. As a professional, he's uh, he's got his professional reputation to protect. And from the outside, he's done a really good job at, um, at uh, getting rid of the debt and uh, building up the finances of the club. Ultimately, he's also responsible for what happens on the ground. And footy clubs, in my view, are there to win flags. They're there to win games of footy. They're not there to... Uh, have this really impressive balance sheet. That helps, but you ask any member, do you want a really impressive balance sheet or do you want to win a flag? And uh, often winning flags actually helps your balance sheet. So when he was put on the coach selection panel, you know, the whole thing just reeked of convenience. He was there, so he's on. And yet he was probably not going to be there when the coach actually uh, started coaching in uh, January next year. Yeah, so he was there at the press conference when they announced the results of the report and the sacking of the coach, and he couldn't have looked less comfortable sitting there and then put onto the coaching panel. Luke Sayers might end up being a genius in all of this and land Brian Cook and Alistair Clarkson, but the missteps along the way have been breathtaking. Yeah, I don't think you're a genius just by landing Clarko and Brian Cook. I think you're a genius if you land those two and you've treated your people with the respect they deserve. And that's the step that I think he has missed. And I'd like to know how he justifies it in his own mind because, to me, it's there's been too many people left hanging on the, the, the coat hanger whilst he makes up his mind as to whether or not he's going to buy another coat. Is your sense... Like that, I'm, I'm, just just very good. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm just working through it. Is your sense that Brian Cook will take it? 
I don't have any intel on that, to be honest. I mean, Brian Cook, 65. Does he really want to commit, was it two years, four years, um, to rebuild this footy club? Because they need some direction, clearly. They need some direction as to how to run a footy club. They also need some culture change, don't they? And that's where Cookie's strength would lie. But like you say, it, it, it would be a surprise on a number of other areas. Do you think the Clarkson scenario is still alive? I don't know. I no, mean, neither do I. I do not know. Jordan, you know him better than most. <laughs> I live in the same suburb, I mean, I'm desperate to walk past him and uh, run into him and have a look at him. Well, all, all I think is if he's got 12 months sitting at home, Karen will have a say in in whether he coaches or not because knowing the way that he works and, and how active his, his mind is and if he can't get down to his little property and he's sitting at home on the couch, there's every bit that Karen will push him out the door. What, it, back into coaching? Oh, yes. <laughs> My last conversation with Clarko was by text about it three weeks ago and it seemed to me that he was ready to have 12 months off. Yeah. That seemed strong. But, I mean... Things happen. People change their minds. It makes it very hard for a potential coach to engage with their process when they've just bulleted the chief executive who was one of the key figures on it. And you know that if Clarko winks from across the room, Mm. she's all over. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that they need to address that to everybody who's a potential suitor, whether it's Chris Scott, Brad Scott, Don Pike. I mean, those gentlemen aren't going to go through an extended process. They're going to be required to address the board. But, you know, this process that's just lost a key member, um, I'm not even sure that we know what the process is. And it probably depends on who's entering the building. But why would you bother until Clarko and they actually say Clarko is no longer part of our future, I think everything else has got a bit of a handbrake on it. Um, there's a bit happening in the trade space as well, which we'll run you through. And we will cross to England, where the fifth test between England and India has been cancelled on the morning that it was to take place. There's all sorts of negotiations yeah, going the real on. Test starts. Yes. As the BCCI doesn't lose too many negotiations, the ECB's <laughs> first step was to declare forfeit, but that's been walked back, I think, is the corporate language. That's been walked back rather rapidly. So we'll touch base there before we settle right in and preview what's about to transpire at Optus Stadium over in the West. Experience the convenience of buying your new Hyundai online with Hyundai's Click to Buy. It's easy to compare models, configure your Hyundai, and make a deposit online through the secure Click to Buy process search. Hyundai click to buy for details. You're listening to AFL Nation. You're listening to AFL Nation for the Beaumont Tiles Trade Club. You know, our pressure become comes because we we haven't won it for such a long period of time. But that's that's a real privilege for us. You know, we think we've worked our way to create an opportunity to, to put our best on show, and that's the way we're looking at it. We want to embrace that past. We want to make sure that we really uh, respect what the opportunity that's in front of us and go after it. Um, and that's what the players have been brilliant about all year. Their situation is for them to concern themselves about. I'm not going to um, speculate on how they might handle it or how they might be feeling. Um, but I prefer to have a bit more experience than less, like from our side of things. Yeah, I, I, I think it helps uh, a tiny little bit at the margin. The view of the two coaches around experience heading into this preliminary final tonight. AFL Nation, the pregame show. 
for the Beaumont Tiles Trade Club. We will explore that and touch on the trade scenarios that have revealed themselves throughout the day as well. But we would have been going around the grounds for Chemist Warehouse tonight to Old Trafford and checking in on the fifth test between England and India. Adam Collins would have led our call team on SEN, would have had a nice drive home listening to him, but that's not to be, Colo. Welcome. G'day, Jared. Yeah, what a dramatic and deflating morning. What's happened? How did it unfold? Well, at about quarter past seven, I think it was, a text came through giving us the tip that the test might be off. Well, maybe not the test off, but at least today was off. Then there was speculation that they might get on on Saturday or Sunday. And within 90 minutes, the whole thing was called off. So that's the end of the series. India win 2-1. And even that's a point of some debate because the first statement we got from the ECB said that India had forfeited the test match, which you would assume, therefore, meaning England get the test in it and a two-all series draw. But that was later updated and forfeit was removed. So predictably, when it comes to cricket administration, as you know well, it's never straightforward. So I imagine the argy-bargy behind the scenes there. <laughs> so it was the, the last day at the Oval that Ravi Shastri had tested positive and wasn't around the team. And so they've had new cases. Is that how it's to be understood? Yeah, it was the penultimate day at the Oval, uh, a day where India were in a fantastic position, three wickets down when they were starting, building a healthy lead. And look, to be perfectly honest with you, when there's been cases of COVID inside camps in England this year and last year, the game's simply been called off, but that wasn't the case. The show did go on. However, since that India win, famous win, stirring win, uh, there's been a subsequent case that, that's been tested positive. A, a physio with the team who's worked with a number of the senior players. And the concern from the Indian camp is that with the incubation period, with COVID, it could be the case that in the in the next couple of days the players could, could fall victim to it and in turn the whole test would then be called off and also uh, the players would need to stay in the UK uh, for a couple of weeks in order to meet the, uh, the guidelines from Public Health England. Adam, can I ask you, what would happen if half a dozen players got the flu, serious flu, and then were bedridden for three days? Would, what would the result be there? Well, it wouldn't be like this because the, the public health guidelines wouldn't require players to quarantine uh, and isolate in that scenario. So I don't think there'd be the same stipulations when it comes to international travel. Uh, the Indian Premier League starts in 10 days. You could say, what a coincidence that they're going <laughs> home now. I was going to ask you that, Yeah, well, the old Muriel's wedding, you know, uh, Deirdre Chambers, what a coincidence. But however, however, I, I, I do uh, caveat that by saying that, uh, that uh, England did pull out of a series in South Africa late last year mm. on what turned out to be a couple of false positive tests in the South African camp and and, and, and uh, other support staff. So it isn't without precedent for this to happen. Um, you could argue that it's England's come up and so what happened in South Africa late last year, early this year. So... Look, obviously, there's been a lot of test cricket played in England over the last two years. In some respects, we've been fortunate that we haven't had one cancelled yet. It just feels like a cruel blow because what a great what a great series it's been. What a celebration of test cricket it's been. It's such a crying shame they won't get to take it to its natural conclusion at Manchester this week. So, Colin, what do you think the result of the series will be? What's your hunt? What is it provisionally, mm. do you think? Is it 2-1? Uh, mm. I would be flabbergasted if the BCCI accept anything other than 2-1. And as we know, what they say will ultimately prevail. So, uh, look, I feel desperately sorry for the club up at Lancashire. All they've endured, uh, the cricket community up in the north of England through COVID, to miss out on this test match for all of the, the industry, I suppose, uh, around a test match for the fans. 21,000 people were set, set to be there today. Uh, it's not just about 
the players in a test match. There's the whole circus, I suppose. So yeah, it's a crying shame. I'm sure it'll be 2-1, and I'm sure they'll all go off to the IPL, and all will be fine in the UAE because that's the necessity from here is to get everyone out of the country and not having any further positive cases. So, yeah, I'm sure that will be the first priority once they've got the argy-bargy in the boardroom out of the way today. Yeah, it shows how fraught it all is. Good on you, Colo. It's been terrific listening, and I'm, I'm sorry I won't be there for the next five nights. Thanks, Jared. Have a good call tonight. Good on you. Adam Collins from Old Trafford with um, dramatic events. As dramatic as there's been in world sport, there's yeah. been a, a couple of moments, but the morning of the deciding test match it, will, will it be is at the top of the list. probably more amazing that it hasn't happened more often than it has, really. Which brings us back to the bye. <laughs> yes, it really does. <laughs> yeah. It does. It's a very strange decision from Gil, but uh, he obviously has his reasons. He's had a hell of a 18 months leading the game. But this one, it just doesn't seem to sit in the logic corner. No, imagine if we came unstuck on September 21, mm. having sat idly by. Anyway. I'm glad Nicola's not in the uh, state. Yes, yes, although... They might end up with it. We put you wouldn't our... be able to train if you did. <laughs> we put ourselves in the hands of Smirk, so who's to say how it, uh, how it will unfold? But So your, your point on the flu, Jared, is... Well, if it is the flu, I know Adam didn't sort of uh, give it any uh, any great respect, that question, I must admit. But uh, if, if if six blokes have the flu and you can't put a team in, what what's the result? I would assume it's a forfeit. That's right. Yep. So why is this different? Yeah, because India says so. Right. Well, I think there is a provision in the ICC, I was reading it today, that COVID is a legitimate reason to forfeit, a to pull out of a match and it not be deemed a forfeit. Well, then right. why did the ECB? Well, that's, yeah, uh, I'm not sure exactly what I was, That's, but I read that in an article somewhere. Okay. So. That's, the politics around yeah. it are going to be absolutely fascinating. Okay, we'll set ourselves up for Optus Stadium, Melbourne and Geelong. The first of these preliminary finals tomorrow night, Adelaide Oval, it'll be Port Adelaide and the Western Bulldogs. Tonight is a sellout in Perth, so it'll give us a great taste for what a grand final is going to look like in a couple of weeks' time. The warm-ups to begin shortly for Ream, Installer Ream, Australia's favourite in hot water. And we will touch on these trade scenarios and retirements from the day as well before we delve into the full preview. Experience the convenience of buying your new Hyundai online with Hyundai's Click to Buy. It's easy to compare models, configure your Hyundai and make a deposit online through the secure click-to-buy process. Search Hyundai click-to-buy for details. You're listening to AFL Nation for the Beaumont Tiles Trade Club. The Cats are first out in Perth. The Demons to follow shortly, just before the preview. Just uh, Jordan Dawson has requested a trade from the Swans to one of the South Australian teams. Jared Healy, what did you, what did you think when that landed in front of us? Well, I sort of had a whisper about that last week, and uh, it shocked me to a bit, to a large degree because the Swans have come a long way, and one of the reasons they've come a long way is because Jordan Dawson's turned himself into nearly an A grade. Wingman stroke uh, half back. His kicking is incredible. His consistency this year was superb. So to lose a player like that, and I'm told it's for personal reasons, is a savage blow. They won't uh, they won't let him go easily. He's got two clubs to pick from, but uh, gee, it's hard to replace somebody who plays the role that he's playing. 
He'd be a good asset for Port while they're in the window or Adelaide while they're trying to put it all back together. Oh, it's a great asset. That's the one thing that we do know. Swans are losing a great asset. Somebody's going to pick somebody up. The question is, what do you pay for it? Uh, Jake Kelly's going to move from Adelaide to Essendon as an unrestricted free agent, Jordan. I just don't think that uh, he's, he's nominated Essendon, but, but it's not really a need that Essendon have. I mean, their defence is is really solid with with the defence that they've they've put together. So uh, clearly he, he'll he'll add to that. But um, there would have been a few other Victorian sides that would have liked to have known that he was interested in coming home and, and put their offer forward to see if he wanted to join them. But Essendon and Izzy will just strengthen their back line and they, they will be a side, I think, that play finals next year. He's in good form, Adrian Dodoro. He's had yeah. the chest out for a little bit. And uh, a former teammate of yours has retired. Grant Birchall is calling it a day in Brisbane. Yeah, it's um, it's the last of of the crew, I suppose, the, the, the players that played in all, all four and... Um, you know, he extended his career up in Brisbane, and I think it's a it's a decision that he got the absolute most out of himself. I mean, he was one of the premium halfbacks there for, I think, a good five to ten years. He was he was a solid player from defence to to being that attacking halfback. 2012 All Australian four time Premiership player, fantastic career. And Durham very relieved at that too because he doesn't, <laughs> doesn't want any more five times. <laughs> All right, the Demons are about to leave their room and head out onto Optus Stadium for this preliminary final tonight. So let's go in the garage with both sides tonight for Autobahn. Autobahn has your top automotive gear at low prices. Jared Healy and Jordan Lewis. Jordan, I look at this side and I I worry about the defence of Geelong. Uh, Henderson's a bit slow. I'm not sure who he's going to play on. Brown's actually really quick. We know that. McDonald's super quick. We know that. Jackson's pretty quick for a big bloke. So I'm not sure where he plays. It may not even be as a man-on-man role. It might be just he's the back defender and uh, he looks after that area. Fritz, I'll be interested to see if Fritz actually plays without getting his hair out of place again. He is just an extraordinary you player. You should see it right now. It, it yeah. is on point. <laughs> <laughs> I did see it in the last build-up, but uh, let's see if Henry can ruffle his feathers a little bit. Um, Spargo and Neil Bullen and uh, Pickett, they've got some really difficult players to match up on at ground level, and then they can go super tall. They can play four tours with Jackson, McDonald, Brown and Fritz, let's call it three and a half tall. So Melbourne's flexibility in the forward half I think we'll trouble Geelong. I'm not sure who Kolodashny goes to. Blitzars is a really important player for them. They looked so much better last week when he was a key defender. But uh, that mix there, I think, is where Melbourne may get a big advantage. Yeah, I think if you look at the game against Port Adelaide, it was the Port Adelaide Smalls that had some real damage. You yeah. think of Fantasia, Pal Pepper comes on, kicks a couple of goals. Robbie Gray looked dangerous. So it, it is the ability for the for the Melbourne forwards to, to bring it to ground because that is their biggest vulnerability, I think. The Geelong defence, they don't cope well with, with ground balls. And that, that is it is also the challenge, I suppose, from a midfield point of view, understanding that you've got some really good height in the forward 50, yep. but not only thinking that's your, your only way to go forward. So we've got a couple of question marks. Where is Guthrie going to play and where is Tui going to play? Yeah, I mean, if, if it was me, I'd be playing Tui at halfback. I just think, that, you know, with the loss of Stewart, um, Tui is that, that architect back there. He, he defends like his life depends on it, but he is such a good ball user, which they lack in their back half. When you when you t- look through their defenders, they're not attacking defenders. So you need, I mean, Smith gets back as, yeah. that, as that winger, but you need someone that's stationed there to cope with 
with the pressure, set the defenders up when the ball isn't in the area, but also to be able to use that that player as the relief kick. I just don't think Guthrie's that player. He, he, he panics when the pressure is really high. He's not a good distributor. For me, it's put him up on the wing where he can, where he can limit the mistakes that he could potentially make and have Tui down at the half-back line. The other issue is, and I hear it all the time, it's all about the contest, and I agree, it's all about the contest, but it's also all about hitting targets when you win the contest. No point winning the contest, giving it back. Richmond lost the contest to centre bounces for three premierships because they set up behind the ball. Yep. They set up to go 100% at stoppage. If they lost the stoppage, they set up to rebound when they got the ball back because everybody just bombed it into their forward line. So... As much as they've got Radagalia, I don't want to see, if I'm a Geelong supporter and I'm a Geelong coach, I don't want to see bombs into that forward line. I want to see directed kicking. I mean, they have got some super players in their side. Dangerfield, Selwood, Guthrie, Duncan. I mean, Duncan's the best distributor of the lot. Guthrie is probably uh, the next best. And then you've got Selwood and Dangerfield, who are the two biggest names, but can bomb the ball to a degree. And they need to hit some targets. Yeah, so, so that's that's their greatest challenge, I think, is one from a from a stoppage point of view. And, and let's talk centre bounces. Melbourne will have a more defensive structure, I would imagine, to stop them coming out the front because that's when they can be quite dangerous, exploding and causing some issues. And then, for me, it's around the ground. If they do play that that slower type of ball movement and don't access the open side of the ground, don't uh, challenge Melbourne defensively, it will become a bombing game because Melbourne set up so well defensively. They've got good spatial awareness. They understand um, how far away they are from the ball. They don't allow sides to switch the ball. So that's that's what, for me, Geelong have got a challenge. If they're, if they're in a contest all night, I think it suits the defence of, of Melbourne. If they use the ball skinny all night, that allows Melbourne to, to use the open side of the ground to switch and run and, and invite those wingers into the, into the play. Um, and centre bounce is a huge one. When, when Geelong were on top, Geelong, when they were on top, they were coming at the front. They were, yeah. they were very good. They piled on you know, seven, eight goals in a row. When Melbourne forced them back, that's when they had issues going forward. The one thing that's always important in finals, and the bigger the final, the more important it is, is kicking for goal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought one thing that got lost in the in the Melbourne win over Brisbane is that they they're kicking for goal. Mel, I, I thought they 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 stuffed a few of their lines. I mean, they kicked thirteen, fifteen. Petrarca, no one was one was the one individual culprit. It was just it spread for a while. Didn't yeah. It? I think it for me. I, I looked at that game and it was like they were trying too hard. There was no composure going inside forward 50. So I think both sides have dealt with this issue. I mean, Geelong have started games really well, yet the last two weeks have been two goals, five at quarter time. So they have to make the most of their opportunities because they're clearly getting them. So that's what, that's what finals, it does. It, it, sometimes you can have great intentions and you can want it too much. You've still got to have composure. You've got to make good decisions, whether it be the first quarter, the last quarter, you've got to have, an aggressive type of mindset when the opposition have got the ball, but when you get the ball and you get the ability to use it, you've got to slow yourself down. And it was noticeable last week Tom Hawkins slowed himself down yep. when he had shots for goal. Yep. And it was also noticeable last week that if you don't convert, you lose. Yep. Brisbane expected score was an 18-point win, and yet they lose by a point. Yep. So your point's well made. You can be the best side and still lose if your forwards and your mids don't put it through the big sticks. 
The weather report for Fujitsu, Australia's favourite air. It's 15 degrees in Perth tonight off a top of 19. When the temperature hits you, just get a Fujitsu. And both teams are working through their warm-ups for Ream in Stoola Ream, Australia's favourite in hot water. Salem has been one, I think, that uh, has been the architect all year. First half better than the second half, but uh, has played a fantastic uh, role across half-back. Is tonight the night that he gets hard-tagged? Does Myers go to Salem and say, hey... There's no distribution from you tonight. I'm the bloke who's uh, going to be piggybacking uh, or going around piggybacking on your shoulders. Uh, let's see how you go with the hard tag. It's an interesting one because I think, I mean, he's he's clearly so important. The, the, the halfback plays that under pressure off two steps can find an outlet and just relieve all the pressure. So do they challenge him defensively? I think Bowie coming in relieves a little bit of the pressure on on Salem because you've got another young, inexperienced defender down there, but he's composed. He makes good yep. decisions with the ball, so a lot isn't reliant on on Salem. Um, and he can defend. He's a he's a really good one-on-one defender, really strong in the contest. Um, so I think they're well suited to their halfbacks. I don't understanding the language that comes out of Geelong and Chris Scott. I don't think they look at those types of matchups and go, oh, let's worry about them. How about they worry about us? Mm. Why, why not say that they should be worried about Hawkins, Cameron, Rowan, Dangerfield, Selwood. We, we've got firepower too, yet all the questions that would be coming his way, what are, you, what are you going to do with this play? What are you going to do with that play? Now let's, and even from Sean Grigg, let's see how the first quarter unfolds. Both teams have things they can go to, but it's a prelim final. I think they'll back themselves in and see how they go. The medical subs for Illuminates Garden Lighting, the tradies' choice. So James Jordan for Melbourne and Sean Higgins for Geelong. The two teams are as selected, which means Lockie Henderson got through his fitness test and he is part of the game. Illuminate Garden Lighting in a league of their own. So the Cats had to add a bit more experience to their team, didn't they? For well, you, if anything, you've got to say that uh, Chris is loyal to the people he brings to the yep. club. I mean, it's now time for that loyalty to be repaid and... Uh, he has had so many, many opportunities. Um, it's time that uh, he put on one of his best performances. Unmissable moments for Drinkwise. Choose to Drinkwise. You won't miss a moment if you drink wise. His round 23 is sharp in everybody's memory. The scenes after the siren when Melbourne claimed the minor premiership on Max Gorn's winner. And uh, it has been analysed thoroughly throughout the week as to what's what hints are there for us as we gather tonight? These warm-ups for Ream. Warm-up, uh, Ream steady, hot and strong. All the texts are coming through already. I wish we were bad again. This is too much. I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I can't handle the pressure. I wish we were bad again. That's great. <laughs> oh, that's oh, so it's the emotional ride you are on as a, as a supporter. I love it. Yeah, but, yeah. And we're seeing on screen a Cozzy pick. We haven't made mention of, of Cozzy all that much, but, but he's... He's a, a danger down forward. Oh. I mean, thinking of when they played in round 23, he, he was in the top half a dozen rated players on the ground. He's probably going to get Buse. You would think Buse would be the perfect matchup to be able to play on Cozzy Pickett, but he doesn't need many many touches to have a serious impact on this game. Buse and, is actually a pretty important player for Geelong yep. going the other way too, isn't he? So if he's watching... Worried about Pickett all the time. That takes it, it that away. It may deter from your aggressive mindset when when coming out of half back. So uh, this this could be this could be the making of, of Cozzy. Big final over in the West, um, backing up when you played the same side in round twenty three. We've seen glimpses, but this might be a 
a Cyril Rioli of 2008 in the grand final where people go, wow. Well, in the first seven weeks, champion data had him rated as the number one small forward in the game. Mm. Next seven weeks dropped off after the bye. He started to uh, find his form again. But it uh, could be the coming out moment where he is regarded uh, as the superstar that I think he's uh, clearly going to become. He's, he may even go through the middle of the ground just to uh, get himself going if uh, he has a slow start. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.